This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast, brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, Zach Carlson, your podcasting trifecta of knowledge, right here in the WTC Gig Powered Studios in downtown Manhattan. Riley, how you doing there? I saw the fridge has a crown peach back in. I'm very excited. Uh, so be like Riley, go down to the fridge and get your crown peach. Look, March is going to be my month where I like. Let's let's get our budget right. Let's. Put money into savings. Let's then, pay our bills. Let's then do boom. And then they brought Crown Peach back. Boulevard released a new Royals beer. Really? What? Yeah, the fridge has it. It's a blonde ale. Huh. I forget what it's called off the top of my head. Hope it's named after Whit Merrifield. <laughs> Is he blonde? Hmm. Kind of blonde. For a beer, he can be. Yeah. Let's see. They hmm. tweeted it earlier, like just a few minutes ago, I think. There it is. Uh, Hustle Up Blonde Ale. It's got the Royals logo on it. Well, very good. I'll have to give that a try. At the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, get on in whenever you're in Manhattan. Do that. This segment's brought to you by Tanners. I don't know if you heard the big announcement. I mentioned it last week. The first week of the NCAA tournament is during Fake Patty's Day this year. So it'll be like the second round of the NCAA tournament, not counting the fake first four. Fake first four. Um, so that you know that Friday or excuse me that Saturday Sunday is the the next round and Fake Patty's Day is on that second round in the NCAA tournament. They are not playing those reindeer games. Don't go to Tanner's to get faked up. Go to Tanner's to watch basketball. Reindeer games. That is where I will be watching basketball, and I probably will not be in green. That's probably a good idea. Just like I feel like if you want to go to Tanner's that day, just don't wear green. Uh-huh. Like just I want to know how they're going to discriminate. I kind of want to just try I think to sneak in. It's probably going to be just a hey, like even if you are at Fake Patties and if you're just like chill with it, I would imagine they'd be oh, like, absolutely. yeah, you can come on in. But if you start getting rowdy, then they would probably say, if you if you ask for ten green uh, tequila shots or something, I don't even know if they have that, but no, they will not have any green dyed anything. I am told. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you ask for that, right. They will kick you out after they sell you 10 regular tequila shots. BYO FC. (laughs) (laughs) I will be there playing the three point game. The finest. What was it? I have no idea. It sounded like a computer ding. Wasn't me. Uh, well, we're hearing things in here. The three-point game, which is the best way to watch an NCAA tournament game involving teams you don't care about. You get a hat. Have you ever played the three-point game with me? I've never played the three-point game with It's you. illegal gambling in a bar. It's fantastic. You get a hat. Everyone puts a dollar in. Okay? You shake up the, the hat, and then and everyone takes a dollar out, and the lowest serial number goes first. Hat in front of them. Okay? Now they have to put another dollar in. And the next three-pointer shot, excuse me, you don't put another dollar in. Uh, the next three-pointer shot, if it's a miss, you put the dollar in and pass the hat. If it's made, you take the money out. Everyone puts another dollar in. Starts with the next person. It sounds like it could be a very fun game where everybody wins a couple bucks. And it could be a game where you rake in 40 and everybody else loses. You everything. got it. It's so random. So every time there's a missed three-pointer, this would be a great game to 
play well watching a typical K State game because <laughs> a lot of dollars would be put into the hat and very few people would win. But as soon as someone makes it, out comes all the money. Everyone puts a dollar back in. Nice. That's that. It's fun. It's a good way to pass the time and watch the NCAA tournament. We'll be doing that at Tanner's. And uh, we will not be playing strip poker this year. I've been asked not to do that anymore. They said, we asked you a few times. New management. Continued to ignore us. I kept using the employee entrance. (laughs) (laughs) They've asked me to use the VIP entrance. I don't know. It's all because I'm a... VIP entrance is the back patio. The employee entrance is the side door across from Lucha. I'm the... uh, It's just discrimination against boomers. Yeah, well, you brought it upon yourself. So. I know. I just aged. Here we go. Questions from Wabash Station on the Powercat Questions Podcast. From Powercat Ryan, how much of last season's success was Coach Hazelton, and how much of it was fresh air and a new, more aggressive scheme? I mean, that kind of goes with each other, right? The new scheme comes because of Coach Hazelton. So, I mean, you can't really – I don't really know if you can say one versus the other, but I do think that if Tom Hayes and – and Blake Seiler had played a more aggressive style with the, their players, they would have probably had more success. I mean, look, Duke Shelley is not a guy that should have ever been playing 10 yards off of somebody. He's an undersized corner and got drafted by the Chicago Bears because he has talent. So I think if he'd have been put in a lot better positions at times, he could have put up some pretty big numbers or been a far more impressive corner in college. I think a lot of that had to do with just playing a generally more aggressive style of defense, putting your athletes in better position to make plays. But like I said, that goes with having Scotty Hazleton on staff. Defense is part coaching, part mentality. When I'm talking scheming, defensive scheming. And and Scotty just created a culture where they were going to appear to be more aggressive. Before the snap, they were showing things that they weren't showing post-snap. They were just kind of messing with the quarterback all the time and getting into his head. I I don't know why you play defense any other way than that. I don't understand why you line up in a passive pose and let quarterbacks dictate the game. We're going to let you complete passes underneath. No, we're not going to let you do anything. We're going to try to get you to make mistakes while we do what we want to do, but you aren't going to know what we're wanting to do. That will continue. Now, what we don't know is really how much did Scotty's approach and personality and you know, he's kind of a dynamic guy or in practice. How much did that impact the players on game day and get them into the right frame of mind? I'm confident Joe Klanerman will continue basically, basically what Scotty Hazelton did. And if you're not a subscriber to Go Powercat, you probably missed the Denzel Goolsby Q&A with D. Scott Fritchin. He thinks Coach Klanderman, as a former safety that played for him last year, will be more aggressive than Scotty Hazelton. From being in the film room, he knows that he would like to take a few more chances than Hazelton did. So it's not all about the beard, apparently. The beard just looks aggressive. I don't hate that. So we'll see how it plays out. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll identify a linebacker's coach who will be your typical linebacker's coach, which means they'll break stuff over their head. And your linebacker's coaches are not normal, typically. No. I think Blake was too normal to be a linebacker's coach. That's fair. And they'll move forward. Also from Powercat Ryan, do you target a recruiting region to fill a spot with your next linebacker coach? No. I don't think that's a smart move at all. Um, Because Scotty Hazleton did not have, you know, they didn't recruit Scotty or they didn't hire Scotty Hazleton because he recruited one area. But we know Scotty Hazleton went and made an impact in certain areas with his recruiting. Joe Klanderman wasn't hired. Uh, and the initial staff, because he has great Texas ties, but we know from a couple Texas recruits that he recruited down there pretty well. Yeah. He went and got Jonathan Alexander. He didn't have any Texas ties. Right. And so, no, I don't think – look, I understand a background of recruiting in an area. It's going to get your foot in the door initially. But also, if you're a good coach, if you're a good recruiter, you're going to be able to – establish those relationships. It's just going to take time. Right. And I think you're putting yourself in a bad situation if you say, oh, well, we need to hit, um, you know, I'm just making something up. We need to have a, a Denver recruiter. Well, I'm not really excited about this coach, but he does have an inroads in Denver. So let's yeah, go hire him. him. Yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah, you're right. When you're, 
when you are bringing in a defensive coordinator, you're looking at a defensive coordinator. What does Scotty Hazleton bring to the table? What does he allow you to do? You don't really sit there and go, well, where do you recruit? You, you want him for his coaching, and oh, yeah, recruiting's there. So now they have an opportunity to kind of add to their recruiting regimen. Maybe they can identify a linebacker's coach who is a significant recruiter in an area of the country in which they want. But first, you're going to be the linebacker's coach. Second, you're going to be a recruiter. I look at Van Malone. Van Malone's known for being good in the state of Texas. I mean, that comes from years of recruiting there, years of relationships, having a lot of guys you can text and say, man, who, who's the players? You know, that's built up through the years. You can go into an area like Connor Riley has in Kansas City and build a lot of relationships and, and get to know everyone. But that doesn't mean if Connor would leave, someone else couldn't slide into that role. It just takes effort and diligence and personality and all those things that go into any form of sales. That they're going to find a really dynamic person, I bet, to be linebacker's coach. And this isn't going to be a shock to Chris Kleiman. He has that short list in his head, and I'm sure he already knows who he would like to hire. Just as if one of my guys would leave, I would know who I'd like to hire for that position. It's kind of, I mean, I think about it like, just use Kellis Robinette for an example. Mm -hmm. Graduated from KU, but he has sources at K-State. Right. He doesn't have any background at K-State, but he eventually, over time, developed good relationships. Right. Very good. From Williams' wingman, who gets the ball rolling on football coaching endowment? Does Coach Snyder kickstart it after we name it after him? Can we shame Venables and Stoops into contributing? Is it Williams' wingman or is it Williams' swingman? Because mm. I, I couldn't it, figure it out. It's Williams' wingman, but... William Swingman changes the whole yeah, definition. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, this will be intriguing to me to see how the, if they actually move in this direction. They're so busy right now trying to raise money for these building projects. And um, they're, they're not going to do anything to take away from that. But I think uh, the template's out there for endowing these. Let's be honest, though, people, we don't have a bunch of billion-dollar donors at Kansas State. I mean, I'm impressed by how many people do have money, but it's uh, it's kind of a challenge to go out and identify enough people to, you know, have the Gates family defensive coordinator. That's not, so weird, man. Not you, the, the barbecue people. Well, there is a Gates uh, the uh, BTF has a oh, on right. the back side. That's there's right. Gates Family Terrace. I don't even know who that is, but it's there. It's really a that has got to be one of the worst things to ever get your name on. Basically, they <laughs> the back side where only the students see it. They sponsor the back door. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, they might want a refund. This this thing is so weird. Like when you see a family donor's name on the hiring of Scotty Hazelton. Very strange. But it's it's other places. It's not totally unique to Michigan State. I've seen it other places. So I guess it was a they don't they didn't pay they didn't make a donation that pays his salary, but yeah. they contributed majorly they contribute to it. To his salary, so maybe they donated I don't know ten million dollars, five million dollars, and, and they pulled from it. Well, they just pulled from the interest that. Yeah. So weird. I'm just trying to figure it out. I I I had never heard of it. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'd never heard of it until that happened. Look at it this way. I. Let's say Kansas State can pay someone seven fifty, um, but then the do- the the endowment kicks in another two fifty. So now you've got a million dollar coach, but you're really only paying seven fifty out of your budget. It's kind of cool. Going to be a lot of ice veneer, and uh, I don't know the there's the, the baseball stadium. There's a Giller Family Lounge, so we slap some Gillers on there. I think the Gillers are in that neighborhood, but if they are. Tom, know. I'd like to talk to you. I would like to uh, hire the next linebackers coach. I will give you $20 if you put my name on it. Wow. Apparently, I will be the linebackers coach. It's all I can really afford right now, to be honest. I'll buy you a lunch at Raisin Cane's if I get to have my name on there. The Riley Gates Crown Peach linebackers <laughs> coach. <laughs> From KSU number one, how do we go about raising salaries to retain quality coaches? I mean, like Gene Taylor in uh, his interview with John Kurtz yesterday said that he was gonna, they were gonna raise Scotty's salary at least a hundred thousand. Yeah, I think there's there's a, a misfire here amongst fans that think 
they they were playing hardball with him. They weren't going to pay him more. They couldn't pay him million plus. Could they pay seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Quite likely, they could have if that would have retained him. But it, as it turns out, it wouldn't have retained him. Whatever they offered wasn't going to sway the the decision. So <clears throat> he left. I mean, they weren't saying you're, we're paying you five fifty. That's all you're going to ever get. I mean. They were probably willing to go much higher, but just they can't do that. People, Kansas State is Kansas State. It just is. You look at the numbers of other universities, Kansas State doesn't have the number of students, the number of graduates, the number of kind of high-level donors. There's no medical school. There's no law school. There's none of that. I mean, the the people who succeed at K-State are kind of, you know, the engineers and ag, and that's just not an area typically where a great volume of donors. You have successful people like the Ice family, the veneers, who are very good in their fields. But you don't have a bunch of guys that have become multimillionaires by chasing ambulances or because they're an incredible surgeon. Although I know some K-Staters that went to KU Med, maybe they do kick into K-State. This is what it is. You can't just magically create more donors. You've got to do a good job of getting out and meeting the people and getting the money and da-da-da-da-da. But Kansas State has the lowest revenue in the Big 12. The lowest revenue while building all this stuff, which is very necessary. But let's not sit around and act like nobody's doing a good job raising money. They've done a remarkable job of raising money for facilities. And that's the fight they're currently fighting because they don't have enough money at Kansas State to fight a battle on two fronts. You can't be doing facilities and, oh, by the way, we're going to boost our number of scholarships or we're going to boost our coaches' pay or we're going to add some sports. Kansas State is what it is. And I know you want it to be something different. But look at Bramlage Coliseum in the biggest rivalry game of the year, there was open seats. It's just the way it is. For my like pickles, cat, I can stomach it if we have coaches get poached by Ohio State and Michigan, even Penn State and Nebraska. But are we in real trouble if we can't afford to match a mid-tier Big Ten school? Michigan State's a good school, man. Michigan State is not a mid-tier Big Ten school. Michigan State. They went. They okay. Since Mark D'Antonio was the coach, they had. Wins or seasons of wins having 9, 11, 11, 13, 11, 12, 10. They played in the Cotton Bowl uh, twice. They played in the Capital One Bowl twice. They played in. They're in the uh, College Football Playoff one year, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. That was one of the Cotton Bowl years. No, sorry, the Rose Bowl year. Right there, 13 1, 2013. There you go. Michigan State's a good school, man. It's not Ohio State. It's not Michigan. I grant you that. It might not be on the level of Penn State, maybe, but it's not a. It's not a Minnesota or a. a With you know, like it's it's a good school. Clearly, they have a lot of money because they threw the bank at Mel Tucker and then allowed him to use another bank to pay every assistant coach in the world a lot of money. He's paying his offensive line coach seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. The offensive line coach, man, it's a good school. As sad as it is to accept, K State's not on Michigan State's level, not right now. Kansas State's endowment. The, the amount of money that the foundation holds in its trust is one-sixth that of Michigan State. Half a billion dollars, Michigan State has more than $3 billion, which is still, by many Big Ten standards, small. Michigan State, sit down, has 50,000 students enrolled. Oof. This, this isn't Kansas State-Michigan State is not comparable. You might think so in your head. They might play together on the field. This is going to be a really hard truth for a lot of people to understand. Kansas State is in the Big 12 out of pure chance and fate. It just happened to be in the conference when it was the Big 6 and Big 8, and it was in the right place. Kansas State's enrollment is on par with Missouri State and Colorado State. You are fortunate to be in this position at this table. 
And you just have to understand, it's really about keeping your seat at the table. And you're just not going to have the kind of money these other schools do. It's just a reality. It, so, okay, you're the little guy. There's nothing wrong with that. Wear it. Use it. Overachieve. Go find that next coach. You didn't know who Scotty Hazelton was 18 months ago. Right? Is that the right amount of time? Yeah, not even 18. Yeah. I mean, you didn't know who he was. Maybe you did. You don't know who the next linebacker coach is, but there's a good chance one year from now you're going to think he's a badass. Go just find the next guy and build. At Kansas State, you're going to have to be constantly recruiting talent, whether it's coaches, students, faculty. It's just the way it is. You're going to have to grind. And that's kind of the K-State way. Wear it. From Oiler Cat 2, sounds like Coach Dawson didn't get the Alabama job. What are your thoughts on how that will affect the team and staff? And will things go back to normal? Or does that indicate it may be time for a change regardless? I don't. Look, the only way it's going to be weird between the staff and Coach Dawson is if someone makes it weird. You know, if you can't if you can't accept that somebody's out there looking for something better, or Nick freaking Saban called Chris Dawson and said, "Would you like to come to Tuscaloosa for an interview to be the strength coach of the most successful college football program in the last decade?" If he would have said, uh, "I don't," can you guarantee it, me? Because I don't, you know, I don't want to interview and then not get the job, and then it's weird with my guys. And if some other one, if some other players right now are like, "Oh, well, Coach Dawson went to Alabama looking for a job," dude, it's a way better job. And Chris Dawson would have been on the first flight out of Manhattan if all he'd of been his, offered. All of his colleagues are like, "Man, that'd have been cool." Yeah, I mean, nobody up there is upset. Alabama came and called. It's like. Being a computer person, Apple calls. No, I'm not. I'm not. Really? You're trying to leave us? You're just trying to leave us now, aren't you? No, I'm trying to go to Apple. It's Look, I am, I'm on the same page as you guys are out there of, like, you want to be loyal to people. You don't ever want to stab anybody in the back or, you know, whatever like that. I get it. You don't want to lose people that are close to you. But if there's, a, if there's something else out there that is better for them in the long run, you got to at least say... Did you, I mean, you explored it. Good for you. You, you. You're looking out for you. I mean, it just this is a tough reality to accept for K-State fans right now. And I'm kind of in the same position because over the last 10 years, no, we have not seen at least people my age have not seen this type of of coaching exodus and Being hirings. It's weird. It's, it's tough uh, to accept. It's it's the profession. This is their career. <clears throat> Think of it as your career and you work for some guy's company. But another company, a competitor, yes, but a market leader wants you to take an equivalent job with much more prestige, pay, and benefits, and you know, better travel conditions, better work conditions. You're not being disloyal to your boss to go discuss this job and see if it's right for you and if you're right for them. It's what we do in our careers, and it's just he's this is a career that gets very tied to a fan base. Nobody cares that you're leaving your medical sales job to go work for a competitor at a better pay with better you know um, better territory. No nobody cares. Nobody's on the internet going, "Well, Joe, talk to the competition." This is yeah, I understand it, but this is their career and now he'll go back just like you would. Didn't get the job. I'm going to continue to kick ass in the job I have. That's just how it works. From I Like Pickles Cat, if we are successful next season, can we plan on losing most of this staff? A lot of schools wouldn't flinch at paying $4.5 million for a head coach and still have more than we do to pay assistance. And apparently we can't afford that. I don't think you're in danger of losing Chris Kleiman right now. No. I, I don't... Even if even if he rattled off eleven wins next year and won the Big Twelve and a big school came calling, I just don't I don't feel like he's looking to go anywhere right now. Even if it is a big school, well, he's the one you pay. Yeah. If you have to pay market value, pay it to the head coach, who then part of his job is to identify his staff. That is frankly not as well paid other places other places. But there are schools. 
let's go back to Alabama. Nick Saban retires. They pick Chris Kleiman. I got news for you. You can't outbid Alabama. You just can't. It's not going to happen. If they want to pick up the whole staff and move them, that's life. Now you have to go identify the next guy. Matt Ince, come on down. Well, I was thinking of that. (laughs) Cordy Messingham's – and now these are numbers that I don't know have changed. I've reached out to K-State, trying to find out if the numbers have changed. Haven't gotten a response back. Anyways. Courtney Messingham is making five hundred thousand this year. If somebody comes along, pays Courtney Messingham nine hundred thousand, a million dollars to be their offensive coordinator, and he's interested in leaving, I don't really think you go out and you up that offer. It's not. It's probably not worth it. I mean, you, I'm sure they're getting their salaries upped, but you you might go six hundred, six fifty, but you're not going to say a million. You're just not. You're going to stay within the confines of your budget. Now everything here is dropping. Connor Riley four hundred. Klanderman 350, although that's assuredly going up. Colin Klein 325, Jason Ray 300. I mean, these are salaries that are are low enough for K State to afford them, and also low enough that somebody's going to come in and poach them if they want to. It's up to K State to make an offer, but frankly, I don't really want to see him throw the bank at somebody. Yes, I think Connor Riley's a terrific offensive line coach, but if he's making, let's say, four fifty next year, and somebody said we'll pay you nine fifty to be our offensive line coach, well, I don't want to pay Connor Riley nine fifty unless he's also going to be the offensive coordinator. Like, right. I, it's just I don't, I don't, I'm not so attached to coaches along the way that I don't think you can go find somebody else if the money's insane. You know, I was just doing some research for a question up on Wabash about student tickets. I don't know if we got any questions about that, but. Kansas State, uh, as of last year, was only one of eight athletic departments receiving no money from the institution, nor receiving money from the students' student body through student fees. Kansas State Athletics is actually paying the university money. I mean, in the year of this story, they paid the university more than $6 million, putting it back in their budget. I kind of have a problem with that, um, but I understand the budget, and I get it. We're all on the same team. I understand. <clears throat> I have a problem with that just as much as I have a problem with the university taking educational funds and giving it to athletics. Just separate the two entities. If athletics thrives and can pay coaches more and there's a bunch of wins and success, the university gains from that. So uh, Kansas State's kind of a unique beast, and this is why. Because they are being financially responsible in a field in which nobody seems to care about making their budget balance. They just willy-nilly lose money, hoping that the next time comes around where they have a big surge and it pays off. That's not the way Kansas State's budget is being run. It's being run at a small profit, keeping their head above water, and they watch every nickel and dime. They kind of run it like an ag operation. And then maybe one year, the crops will be really good, or the price of, you know, your bowl prices will go way up, and you make a lot of money, and then you can invest in stuff. But for day-to-day operations... We're going to have to keep salaries down. We're going to have to keep the budgets down. We're going to have to keep them watches, 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 watches. They just run their department differently. And honestly, they run it the right way. And it sucks. It puts them at a disadvantage for not going into debt, not demanding money from the university or the students. But, you know, it's just the way it's done. And there's a there's a price to be paid for it, and this is kind of it. Some of these salaries are lower than what we'd want. But we're talking about $300,000 to coach a position. I'm going to have a lot of problems feeling sorry for that. When I believe Chris Kleiman was getting paid $300,000 to be the head coach of North Dakota State. So we're seeing this gap widen now. And I'm telling you, if you haven't learned anything from this past season at Kansas State, it is this. There are really good coaches at levels where they get paid far less than this, and they're ready to step up. So just keep grinding away, get those salaries up, watch that budget, and pick your battles. You can't fight every fight. You can't match every offer. You just got to do what's best in the overall operation. You hold on to your head coach. 
A lot of you out there want to buy out a head coach contract with basketball. Well, where's that money come from? They're just coming off the backside of a buyout for Bill Snyder and some of his assistants that had another year on their contracts. And when the budget's tight, that has to come from somewhere. It's not magic money sitting around. Now, coming out of that, they're able to give some raises. But I guarantee you, Gene Taylor in his calculations with basketball is going to be looking at that buyout and wondering, okay, does this buyout get equalized by more ticket sales, more success with a new coach? It's all part of the decision in the long run. Also from Alec Pickles, Cat, is is football players getting in trouble mostly random and happens everywhere, or is it concerning to see this many climbing recruits in trouble so shortly after the season? It's kind of funny because this question was posted before two more got slapped. <laughs> um, I had said this on the Insiders yesterday, so I don't really have a ton to add. I don't really even bat an eye at Jacardier Wright's arrest. He, I, I don't know this, so maybe it's wrong for me to assume, but I'm guessing it was a parking ticket or something yeah. small. Move on with it. He just didn't pay it. Go fix it. DUIs are concerning. I don't want to downplay them because obviously they can lead to horrible things. But it's a college kid, college kids, who were enjoying a weekend, made a very poor decision. Thank God nothing bad happened along the way. They'll serve their punishments and move on. All DUIs aren't the same. By the way, in the state of Kansas, if you refuse to blow, you will get a DUI. You can refuse to blow. You'll get charged. You'll get your license suspended, and they will charge you with DUI. You then go to court, and the police must then prove, without the evidence of the breath breathalyzer, that you were indeed over the limit. They have to show video, or testify, or say something, or do something. If you are in threat of being over the limit, <clears throat> the right thing to do, and it, yeah, it sucks not to have your license for a year, is refuse to blow. It just is. It, you don't, you never, you never play the drunk Olympics. You are not required to touch your nose. You are not required to walk a line. You're not required to do any of that. That is all skewed to make you look drunk, even if you're stone sober. I couldn't stand on one foot for 10 seconds stable <laughs> right now. I couldn't walk a straight line. I've got bad vision. All of these things are designed to make you appear drunk on their videotape don't do any of that don't do any of that and just say take me down and then if they want to get a uh, court order for a blood test that's up to them so i think one of these arrests was that no sir i you know i don't have to tell you i've had alcohol i don't have to say anything take me down smart move now Last night's with Wayne Jones and uh, and da- Daniel Green with marijuana. This is where I think some a few alarm bells are going off. Look, this is not about whether or not weed should be legal. You can have your opinion on it. It, it that illegal. is what it is. It the is fact illegal. is, in this state, it is illegal. Whether you're smoking it, whether you're holding it, whether you're around it, it's illegal. It's an illegal substance. I I would say overall it's pretty disappointing to see two veteran starters um, or close to starters I guess Daniel Green's not technically a starter getting in a situation like that um, Daniel Green driving with a suspended license is not great either I, I'm not super alarmed because it's not theft they didn't break into a place and steal money they didn't try to steal from anybody They're or not assault selling. anybody. They're not selling marijuana. It could uh, be a lot worse, but I'm also a little bit alarmed because it is an illegal substance. They did know that they shouldn't have been driving. I mean, things like this. I don't think they come to a point where you should be removed from a team, you know, that type of an offense, but I'm, I'll say this. I don't think that any of these charges are simply go run the stairs at the stadium and go to court. I think there needs to be some sort of punishment, whether it's they're removed from the team for X amount of spring practices or whatever. I think I think you gotta I think you gotta do something, don't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely, I mean, absolutely. I um, because it's about personal responsibility. You know, you, you shouldn't be behind the wheel if you've been drinking. And, you know, and, and it's kind of become my thing now. You just don't you don't have two beers and drive in in Manhattan, Kansas. You don't do it. You just don't do it because, one, 
look, I'm getting very political right now. I'm a libertarian. I don't trust breathalyzers. They don't have to be – when you go to court, there's never any evidence that they're right. They're just right. And I would like to know what the underlying cause was for the pullover, for the stop. Yeah. That, that's what I like to know. Maybe they saw him smoking. Maybe they knew who he was and he had a suspended license. Daniel's kind of recognizable. I mean, he just is. He's got, you know, he's just, if you follow football at all, you kind of know Daniel. I, but I would like to un- know what the underlying reason for the stop was. Not signaling long enough while changing lanes. Did they have their music too loud? Well, you know, because I've witnessed a lot of people being pulled over for what I think are bogus reasons in Manhattan, Kansas, so the police can look inside that vehicle and see what's going on. Bottom line, don't do illegal stuff. Bottom line, be accountable for your actions. Marijuana, in my opinion, should be legal, but it is not. If I would go to Colorado and buy edibles and bring them back to the state of Kansas, I understand that it would be a felony possession, so I don't do that. Be accountable for what you do, but also... Come on, man. Don't just be pulling people over because of any reason you can think of. That's not protecting and serving. That's kind of harassing. So to get back to the answer, look, it, it goes along the lines of me and like the whole women's basketball situation. I mean, women's basketball has had a few run-ins with the law over the last few years. It's like I'm not super alarmed by football right now because I don't think Chris Kleiman's recruiting bad kids. Eternity Willick, for example, who was arrested for using a fake ID at Tubby's, She's not a bad kid. She was a college kid that made a mistake, and then some other things kind of piled onto that. But then, like Mary Lakes, assault. You're when when you start to get into certain crimes, and I don't want to justify one crime over the other, but there are crimes where you say, "Is Chris Kleiman starting to recruit a bad culture of kids?" And then there are crimes where you say, "Chris Kleiman's college players are being college kids." So let's let's see if this trend continues. Right. Let's see if they start getting into more serious crimes. Right. Then my alarm bells will go off. If it involves violence against others, you know, felony crimes such as dealing drugs, I'm going to start getting worried. But there's a 50% chance the cop that made the arrest arrested these two young men for possessing marijuana and got home after work and spoke to joint. We're in a college town. We're in a college town. There is marijuana Everywhere in this town. Yes, there And not is. just from young black athletes. It's everywhere. And it, you know what? It's it's prohibition. It just It's prohibition all over again. And it, we really need to look at these laws and how they're being enforced. From Randolph the Iguana, is it easier for players to get in trouble in Manhattan than Fargo? I know this question seems stupid, but maybe the oversight needed by Kleiman of players in the offseason is more than it was at NDSU. I don't think he's doing a bad job, but this many arrests in a couple of days is KU-level stuff. I don't know what the nightlife is like in Fargo, North no. Dakota, but I can't imagine it's very fun from October to April, <laughs> walking in five feet of snow. Yeah, I, it strikes me that this all happened on the warmest stretch of weather we've had in a while. <laughs> It's just like, let's go out and have some fun. I mean, and again, it gets back to kind of what Fitz was saying. I mean, look, like it or dislike it, the RCPD is a pretty strict group of cops. I mean, we all know that. We've all been around. And, I mean, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, that's what it is. So maybe some of these kids just aren't used to that. I know I certainly need – I mean, hell, when you come from Beloit, Kansas, I'm used to getting pulled over if you're just speeding or whatever – but then there's a million other things that people get pulled over for. I'm not used to seeing five cops on the street when I'm walking out in Aggieville, but it's something I learned to adjust to as I lived here for a longer period of time. Again, your opinion of the RCPD is not irrelevant. It's just not, not relevant in this conversation. It just comes down to you live where you live. This is how the law enforcement acts here. Right. You know, I, I would prefer community policing in which if they see a young person possibly intoxicated any person getting behind the wheel, they would stop them from getting behind the wheel. I'd prefer that instead of waiting for them to drive to pull them over. But that's just the way things are policed in this town. Um, and you got to live within those rules. 
You just do things the right way. I want to be very clear. Do not drink and drive. Just don't do it, man. We did it a lot back in the day. One, out of ignorance. Two, there was no penalty for it. You know, you, you didn't really put together anything in your head. But now you've got Uber. You've got Lyft. You've got friends available through a cell phone at any moment. You can always find a ride. You can. You can. Uh, it's just, it's frustrating, uh, and it's it's just I find it odd that they all piled up in a seventy-two hour stretch. I just find it a little odd. Last question of the first half from Wildcat Pilot eighty-eight: Which freshmen burn their red shirts and which play their four games this fall? That's a very tough question to answer yeah. right now, and frankly, my mind hasn't gone there yet. I'm not trying to dodge the question, but I just wanted to address it because, honestly, I think it's far too early to answer that question. Half, right. half of them aren't even here yet. Well, we haven't even had spring practice. We don't know yeah. where people are at. In, you know, I'd like to see as many as possible. I would think some offensive linemen might. But I, I can't compare based on just recruiting what tight ends might play? What God. I thought Connor Fox would burn his red shirt last I year, and too. he didn't see the field. So that's kind of a lesson learned. We'll get into that. I mean, I'm glad we put the question in just for this. We'll, we will get into that, but I know you're fired up for spring football. But D Scott's doing a ton of pre-spring football coverage. But getting into what freshman will play, you know, in the in the fifth or sixth game of next season, I have no idea, man. I mean. They play the first four, then they're burning it in the fifth. Well, who will do that? I'm like, I, I don't know. Chris Kleiman doesn't know the answer to that question yet. Exactly. That's well put. And he should because he knows everything. And he's got a million dollars to pay everyone. I need a job from him. That'd be good. <laughs> Chris, you got an extra million dollars laying around. Gene, I'm your guy. We'll be back on the other side of this brief break with more questions from Wabash Station. Speaking of drinking, we're going to talk basketball. Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast Rant Fest 2020. That was a lot of oxygen we used up. We need to open up the door, get fresh air. We went off in the first segment. We are much more mellow. Those were good brownies. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Now they're going to be at our door tomorrow. Oh, we are sponsored by the fridge. Locking the door. Yeah, we're sponsored by the fridge. Get into the fridge. Do the fridge. See the fridge. Be the fridge. Crown and peach is on sale at the fridge. Crown peach. Sorry. Rally's happy. Riley's happy. We're all happy. Discover card is really happy now, too. I'm about to go drop some more money. Also, get your booties into the high-low. Get in there and eat food. Drink. <laughs> Add for a restaurant. Be, go in and eat. Be fun. 
Be happy. It's a great place to go. It's a cool place. If you think Aggieville is all about bars aimed at college students, you probably need to go to the high-low. Pretty cool atmosphere. I have not played Milwaukee Roulette in a significant period of time. We've eaten there, but we try not to drink at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. We try. Sometimes we fail. I think I will succeed again today. We are sponsored by The Fridge. We're in the WTC Gig Parrot Studios. And Zach is sponsored by everything cool and kind in the world. Here's Zach. Wow, how nice of you. Yeah. It's sugar and spice and everything nice, right? Yeah, that's a different way of saying it. <laughs> From Adam K 63 was the athletic department too cautious in taking away some of the signs from students on Saturday? Yeah. I don't get it. Explain it to me why yeah. that is. It's KU, man. It's, come on, man. If it, if it involves expletives, uh, I get it. In 2000-whatever, they chanted Deadbeat Daddy at Brandon Rush. And I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there was a sign as well. Well, you know how the they'll have the signs for war, or for starting lineups. They say, who's he? Yeah. You know, you yeah. suck, whatever. The athletic department makes those, and the one for Brandon Rush was safe sex. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. And now all you're really doing is it's your in-state rival – and it's very public information. Nobody did this to KU. KU put itself in this situation right. by getting involved with Adidas and TJ Gasnola. But yes, when they come into Bramwich Coliseum and they want to fill the place with your rock chalk chants, let's make it as great of an environment for KU as we can. We live in a society right now where we tend to overreact to everything. We're all going to die from this virus. All this stuff's going on. You, you, you just react. People are just out there just upset about everything. And I think when you're in a bunch of committees, you have people in there that are saying, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, we've got to react, we've got to do something, we've got we to gotta look like we're doing things to help this situation. Yeah. You know what? Clean up the obvious stuff. I mean, if it's, if it's really foul, take it away. Just but. You make yourself look bad. The handshake, do without it. Nobody needed it. It was phony. It was fake. It was for optics. Don't do things just because it looks good. Only do things when it's sincere and well-intended. I have a problem because a few years back, somebody, so a student, I mean, this is their right to have an opinion of this. I'm not saying their opinion was bad. Somebody brought a fire demo sign into a football game. In case they didn't take that away, but we're going to take away a check that is clearly a joke about Silvio D'Souza accepting money. Yeah. Come on. Don't get hypersensitive. The students didn't cause the fight. At a Hearn Fieldhouse. Oh, excuse me, at Allen Fieldhouse. Wow, that would have been really weird to have a fight in a Hearn. We're just going to meet in this old building and fight. Fitz out here breaking news. The, the students didn't cause it. The fans didn't cause it. Handshaking at before the game at midcourt isn't going to stop it. Just, just play the damn game. Let fans be fans. Ah, I'm in a mood today. From On Your Mark Set Spin... We are mathematically assured first to worst in the Big 12, an infamous conference first. Has this happened in the other P6 conferences ever? I don't. None come to my mind, at least. Uh, and I couldn't. I mean, I Googled, has anybody ever, but I didn't. I struggled to find an answer to the question. It doesn't. Well, seem we've like arrived it's. at the point where all those people said dips happened to all programs. This does not happen. No. This is historic and epic. This hasn't. This kind of season doesn't happen at Kansas State, let alone everywhere else. I mean, this is just. This is awful. That's awful. It's irresponsible. It's horrible management. It's gross negligence of operating the program. I think it's pretty telling that you're playing standing teams eight and nine this week, one on your home floor. If you go two and zero, oh, you will still be the worst team in the conference by record and tiebreaker. Yay. Ugh. Yep. But it do, it has not happened in the Big 12, they said. So this is the first Big 12 team to ever do it. Got that going for us. Woo! 
from KNED. Can we please have a distinction between close game final scores and games that are in doubt slash competitive? Many fans keep wanting to quote the close game's record as if the team is three baskets out of fourth place. Reality seems to be most of the losses they get down double digits and fight for the Bruce Door cover to sell me the game oh was God. close when it never was in doubt. I think that's a really good point. Bruce Door cover. I mean, if you think about it, they were realistically in the game against Pittsburgh, Mississippi State, St. Louis, TCU. Beat St. Louis. No, so beat Tulsa. I'm sorry. Beat Tulsa. Lost St. Louis. TCU, uh, Alabama, Oklahoma State. That's really it. But like the seven-point loss at Texas Tech, sure, they played competitive. Sure, they were closer, but I never thought they were winning that game. Oklahoma down there, they were in charge. Okay, fair. Forgot that one. But there are some games, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the Baylor game in Manhattan, they they lost by six. Yeah. But they were down by 14 in the first minutes of the game. They played catch-up the whole game, and boy, they got it to six at the end. The outcome wasn't in doubt. I think that's what you're trying to clarify. Games in which, in the final two minutes or so, is the outcome in doubt. And there aren't that many. You can argue that really on Saturday, it wasn't in doubt against KU. They never really seemed like they were going to win that game. Even when they got it to three, you were kind of like, yeah, they're not good enough to win this. They're just not very good. You don't just lose close games because of misfortune. Over the course of a season, if you lose a bunch of close games, it means you lost a bunch of games. You lost. You didn't play better than your opponent. You didn't score more points than your opponent. Thus, you lost. Good teams win close games. Ask Baylor. With players on the bench who are key components of their team and in a dogfight last night in Waco, they got the game with Texas Tech to overtime and won. Want to know why? Because they're a good team. That's all makes sense now. Bad teams lose. That was one of the first Big 12 games I really enjoyed watching this year. great game. They are trading three-pointers. The refs were nominally involved. It was fun. Except for, of course, we got a Higgins gotta go. review with gotta 30 go seconds it. to go. From Mad Dog 2020. Bruce seems to know how to coach solid defense, but is it wrong if Gene Taylor has a discussion after the season with him about how he is going to improve his offensive numbers? If that's wrong, then I don't want... If that's wrong, then I just don't know what's happened to college sports. Yeah, I mean, he's his boss. Yeah. If I didn't write a bunch of stories, would it be wrong for Fitz to say, hey, when do you think you're going to write stories? Right. (laughs) Seems pretty self-explanatory. Scoring points is part of the job of the basketball coach at any university. You should bring it up. What are we going to do about the offense? What are you going to do to improve this program? And I'm guessing they've had discussions, A, already. I mean, like, think about it. When Gene got here, the basketball program wasn't in amazing shape. Yeah, they went to the NCAA tournament, but they got roundhouse kicked out by Cincinnati. I mean, I'm sure they've had discussion there. I'm sure they've had discussion after every year about what they're going to continue to do to get better. And I'm guessing they have spoken a few times. They haven't had a long, formal sit-down interview, I'm sure. But I'm sure they've had a few conversations. Hey, Bruce, what the hell's going on right now? It, they'll have the conversation. Gene Taylor's good at his job. I mean, they've talked in passing. But Gene's not one that's going to meddle in his coaching during a season. He will discuss things at the end of the season. I mean, if something serious goes on, I'm sure, I'm sure they talked about the stuff at KU, blah, blah, blah. But unlike John Curry, who would try to micromanage coaches at every turn, Gene's not that way, but he will I'm sure he'll touch on everything related to the state of the program. It is not wrong to do so. From On Your Mark Set Spin, what offense did Bruce use for the U19 World Championship team? The motion not offense or something that better fit the brief event period? He used, I have four and five star players right. that know how to put the ball in the basket without even having an offense. Right. Exactly. Bruce did a good job of coaching that team, but let's be real. If you put Jamie Dixon on the coaching staff, if you put Mike Boynton on the coaching staff, if you put Matt Figure on the coaching staff. They probably win the gold medal, guys. That's the thing about USA Basketball, whether it's 
with the pros, you know, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, those guys, or the college USA team, they're always going to win the gold. Why? The United States has the best basketball players in the world. Now, I'm not saying Bruce didn't do anything. He did a good job of coaching them. But every other coach would have won the gold medal with that team, too. I understand that. I think the previous team didn't win. I get it. Those things happen. Basketball's better around the world. This group of kids was good, and they won. And Bruce's offense works when you got guys that can score. When you got a point guard that can get to the rim, and you got three-point shooters, and you got a Barry Brown that can break down a defense and hit a 15-footer. But if you're going to stand around and look for an open shot, it's not going to happen. If you're going to jack things up when you're covered, it's going to look bad. They're not good. I mean, they just don't have players. Bruce's offense is predicated on having players. You better go get players. Not this group. Quit recruiting on athleticism and get basketball players, and I'm encouraged to think that the 2020 class is exactly that. I don't really have a lot more analysis to add at this point in the year. Like, that's saying the sentence right there. They're not good. Boom. Move on. Next question. Exactly. Like, they're just not good. <laughs> a question from a new user. A very hairy man. That's Welcome. disturbing. <laughs> wow. Who runs the point next year and for the remainder of the season? Season. Jada has proven to be very effective at the point and a great scorer, but there's been some drama involving his commitment to the team. Everyone was pushing for Sloan early in the season, but the last few games he's been rather stagnant at the point and makes poor decisions. Well, you got to go with one of them. (laughs) Somebody has to run the point right now. It's going to be Cardi. David Sloan has played horribly the, the last few games. He's and I gotta, I'll, I'll wear that one because, damn, we well, campaigned for him for a while, and then I think he kind of hit a little bit of a wall. He's hit the wall. He's, he's in a longer season, more stress-filled than what he's ever been through. Cartier is going to be the point guard. It's what's best for the team right now, probably. He's probably the only one that can capably handle it. Maybe Mike, but I don't, no. not super thrilled about that either. Next year, it's tough. I mean, we can sit here and speculate about Cardi leaving or not, but until he leaves, I mean, you kind of assume he'll probably be the guy. I I think Nigel Pack's a terrific point guard, but I don't necessarily want to see him in the starting lineup from day one unless he just comes in and blows everybody away. So it feels like it's too early to answer that question for next year. I would guess, this is just me speculating, Cardi won't be back, and David Sloan will start at point and Help coach and bring along Nigel Pack until he's ready to have the job. And maybe that's not until his sophomore year. But David Sloan will be better next year. Juco players really get a lot better in their second year, typically. So maybe we'll see an escalation of, of that. They just they haven't been good at the point. They haven't been, again, they're just not a good basketball team. They don't basketball well, period. From KNED, K-State is 87th in defensive points per possession. Is this really great defense or bleeding the clock to get a good points per game total? They are not good at defense this year. No, they're, they're struggling. They've been giving up too many points. And, you know, I we talk a lot of you know, times they only score in the 20s in the first half. Well, the other team was in the 40s. And that's not how K-State wins, even if it is good at offense. When they were good, defensively they're holding teams to low 70s at the most. If you broke 70 in your Kansas State, you're probably going to win, and that's not true now. I I know Devon Dotson is on another talent level compared to everybody else, so it might be unfair to really kind of throw this out there. But a good defensive team doesn't get blown by by the opposing team's point guard multiple times over in a game. And over. I mean, he just he was doing whatever he wanted to do, um, and that's just one example. I, I could really go through them a lot, and it goes exactly with the offense right now. They just don't have the players they need to to have the same defense. They they struck gold by getting Barry Brown, who was not afraid to guard anybody. And then you also had a few other guys that were tagged along in that, played really good defense. But they just don't have the Barry Brown this year. You hope they got it somewhere else coming soon, but they don't have it right now. Well, and Barry took it seriously from day one. I think Dejuan takes it seriously. Absolutely. But... He's- Those players were a lot better at this defense as seniors and sophomores, and certainly as freshmen. So next year, the problem will be defense as much as offense, but I think they have more guys that can score. 
I like their brand of defense. It hasn't been as good this year. But also, it kind of goes hand in hand. If you miss shots and they run out on you, you don't set up your defense. If you make shots, you get back and set up your defense. You play better defense. So it's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy here. If you're not scoring the ball, they're getting an open court opportunity. KU scored most of its points at the rim against K-State. They were going to the rim. They were attacking when K-State wasn't necessarily set up. It all fits together. You have to be able to score more often to really get comfortable on the defensive end. And then you know what you are, really? You're a good basketball team. <laughs> Analysis. Yes. From Powercat Ryan, will Cardi participate in senior day festivities? I don't no, think so. No. Well, I mean, who knows? He has graduated, and, you know, maybe. Or he will graduate, right? Will graduate, yeah. Um, I mean. I doubt it. I guess I'm going to put the percentage like 2% chance he would yeah. do that because I think it. Without having made a formal announcement yet, hey, I'm not going to be back next year. It's kind of a kick in the nuts to fans if he did that. But also, if he went and had a conversation with Bruce on Thursday, hey, we've all known this is coming. Is it okay if I do this? I mean, I guess I wouldn't have a problem with it if, I he's, think, if he has already made up his mind. I think he should if he's made up his mind. If he knows he's leaving, Bruce knows he's leaving, just put out a release maybe on Friday saying Cartier-Jado will participate in – senior day because he has earned his degree and will not be back next year i think it'd be nice the fans love cardi don't you know that'd be a nice way to wrap it up say hey i'm leaving on my terms i'm i'm out of here i got my degree that's what i came to do instead of like just mysteriously in the spring he's gone he's not coming back or in the summer yeah cardi left he's not going to be part of the team I, I would like it if everyone knows in the program that it's going down just to put it out there on the table so that the fans can give him the standing O because he, he deserves it. He's been a valuable player for three years. From KS Rocks, who in the new the newcomers or current roster can be the coach on the floor like Barry Brown was? It's, it's too early to answer that. Because you don't. I mean, I haven't. I haven't seen it out of any. I mean, I've seen a good play out of Dejuan, but I haven't seen him vocally like Barry. I would guess it's it, the likely one. It needs to be Nigel Pack. Everyone says he's a true point guard. Well, that's part of being a true point guard is being the coach on the floor, and that's been you know, Barry wasn't a true point guard, but he had point guard mentality to him, and it might be able to be. But I think, I think for us to sit here and say. Oh, Selton Miguel will be the scorer and Nigel Pack will be the leader. It's not fair to them because you don't give them the chance to figure out their new roles. And we, ha- you know, we can stare at scouting video. Even if you want to see him play a game or two, you look at the stats. You don't get to know the nuances of a kid's game and psyche from just that. You need to get him in the program. See how he handles everything around him. <clears throat> but I- I'm confident someone will emerge. I'm confident this group. An alpha will come out of this. They didn't strike over four here, right? They, there's an alpha in this group, and they're in this upcoming group. And maybe there was this year that they've just been bottled up by fake alphas, guys that think being a leader is telling everyone what to do, because that's not what leading's about at all. Last question of the podcast from Powercat Ryan. Even with K State out of the NCAA tournament, will this March be more exciting since there are no clear cut favorites? Every March is exciting. Okay? It is. It's going to be interesting because I look at a team like KU, for example, and I watch them play even even a struggling Oklahoma State team. And I watch them play that game and I say, there's not a team in the country that can beat them. They are going to win the national championship. And then I watch that same KU team come into Manhattan and almost lose to K-State. And look awful. And then I look at a team like Duke, who I think has some of the best talent in the world, and yet I won't be shocked if they lose in the first round. I don't know, but I don't know as if that it's that much different than any. It's going to be that much different than any NCAA tournament. We always have the upsets. We always have the one Cinderella. We always have the national championship that comes down to the final men, and everybody says that's the best national championship in years. We are prisoners of the moment as humans. Yeah. And when somebody hits a buzzer beater to beat Baylor in the second round of the NCAA tournament, 
or when West Virginia gets bounced by, well, you know, West Virginia's going to make the tournament, I guess. When Texas upsets somebody, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just using these examples. We're all going to talk about how great of an upset that was and how crazy this NCAA tournament has been. I know the the regular season has been wild, but I don't really think at the end of the day we're going to look back at this tournament and say that was the craziest ever. Well, Ryan, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think there's not dominant teams out there. Kansas appears to be dominant. The Big 12 sucks. The Big 12 is really bad this year. <coughs> Now we're seeing teams all of a sudden pop up and start playing better basketball, but the Big 12 just isn't good. I think it's, I've used this term before, I think they're kind of fool's gold. I think they're a pretty good team, but I don't think they're as dominant. The undisputed number one. You know, I, I don't see that. And you look through the rest of college basketball, Dayton's really good, but why are they so highly ranked? They played Kansas competitively. <laughs> so, I don't know. I... It's going to be fun. And it's kind of going to be fun because K-State isn't in it. And I mean this. I don't mean this hostile towards K-State. Just Most of us don't have a dog in this fight. We just get to sit back and watch it and enjoy this at Tanner's with a hat full of $1 bills. And I brought it full circle. Are you proud of me there, Zay? Good job. It's actually one of the best bows we've ever put on our podcast. (laughs) Then we're going to shut up right now. You've been listening to the Power Cat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.